Welcome to the New Life Podcast. Here we want you to experience the grace of God. So through this sermon, we hope to come alongside you as you grow in your relationship with Jesus. To learn more about New Life, please visit our website at newlifeonline.org. Here's today's message. So, all right. Well, I'd love to continue in our service by turning to God's word. Can we join together in prayer? God, thank you so much for your goodness today, what we celebrate how you have worked and moved in so many people's lives. God, it is incredible to watch how you are changing hearts and minds. God, I pray that as we dive into your word, we continue in that same posture. You change us because of your word, because of the scriptures. And so, Lord, we want to to learn from you. We want to hear from you. Feed us, Lord. Nourish us in body and in soul. So, Lord, we do turn to you, and we're ready to receive from you. Speak and and teach us this morning. Thank you, Father, for who you are. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Well, we are in a vision series. We're exploring what we sense the Lord is asking us as a church to be all about in this next chapter of ministry. So if you're kind of new or this is your very first time or you've been coming just for a couple of weeks, you've, you've actually chosen a really good Sunday because of baptisms, but also you're going to get a sense of who we are because we as a church want to be all about what God is asking of us to do in this next season. So um, it, one of the things we've been highlighting, you'll notice in the bottom corner of the screen, there's a QR code. Code, and we're going to make it bigger here in just a second. If you want to follow along with some digital notes on your phone or a tablet, feel free to, to grab that QR code and follow it to our website. And there's a, a set of sermon notes that will take you through what we're going to talk about today. So if you'd like to take notes that way, if that's a helpful tool for you, feel free. Go ahead and grab that QR code, use it, and, and follow along in, in a set of notes that we've prepared for you. So like I said, we're, we're exploring a, a vision statement, a vision series about what we feel like God is asking us to do as a church family. And so what I want to do is I want to remind you what this vision statement is. And so here it is on the screen. We want to be about equipping you to pursue and proclaim Jesus in grace and truth. We want to be about equipping you to pursue and proclaim Jesus in grace and truth. And so far, what we've covered in in this series is most of that statement. We started with pursue. We want to pursue Jesus. He was a rabbi 2,000 years ago, and one of the things that people would do is they would follow a rabbi, and they'd walk around the dusty roads, and, and one of the sayings that emerges, we want to be covered in the dust of our rabbi. We want that to be true of us. We want to follow Jesus so closely. We want to go after him so much that we're covered in his dust. We begin to look like him. And that's what, it looks, that's what it means. To pursue Jesus means we become like him. And we want that to be about us. We want to grow and, and continue to pursue and, and cultivate that kind of, of life and that kind of spirit. We want to be like Jesus. And if that's true, if we are pursuing him, then that's going to lead to the second thing, proclaim. We want to proclaim Jesus. Probably the first thing you think of is like, okay, I need to tell people about Jesus. I need to speak, you know, and and communicate a message. And absolutely, that's true. But it's more than that. We want to proclaim Jesus in all that we say. We also want to proclaim Jesus with all that we do. Who we are, how we carry our lives. Do we communicate the message with our lives? So we want to be about proclaiming Jesus. But we want to do that in a particular way. We want to do it in grace 
and in truth. See, I think what we've noticed is people, they tend to lean to one or the other. I'm more of a grace person. You know, I show people grace. I'm pretty good at that. I'm kind of high in the relational side of things. And, and there's a lot of room and acceptance and welcome and hospitality on this side. But some of us lean to more of the true side. We're about justice. We're about what's right. And, and we defend that. And, and that's a good thing. We want both of these things, right? But often, we, we just lean into one or the other. We see with Jesus that he is full of both. He is full of grace and full of truth. John 1.14. We want to be like that too. And our contention is that when we do that, when we have a fullness of both, we are going to stand out. Most people don't really do that. They don't bring them together. But that's what Jesus did. We want to be like that too. So we want to be colored by grace and truth. So that's the substance of our statement. But our final element, you're kind of wondering, it's like, okay, well, what, what else is left? Let's go back to the top. It's equipping you. We're going to talk about that final piece today. What is the equipping you component all about? See, if we want to grow in these things, like we want to go after pursue and proclaim, we want to be about grace and truth, what does it look like for us to be equipped in that? So that's what we want to talk about today. What does it mean for us to be about equipping? So I want to talk about that. What's described this equipping? What are we talking about? We're going to define that theologically. But then we're going to see, like, what is this equipping really contain? Like, what, is, what comes with it? And then we're going to look at what is the church? What is our role in all of that? And so we're going to explore what is this equipping piece all about? But that's kind of the flow of what I want to cover today. But I want to ask you a question. And really, I want you to chew on this all the way through the message. Do you want to be equipped? Do you, do you want to be equipped? Like, when you hear about all this stuff, it's like, okay, that sounds good, but I, I want to push on this question. Do you really want to be equipped? Because I think sometimes it's easy for us to, you know, fill our schedules. Our kids are going every which direction. They got all these activities, you know, and, and that's just kind of how life goes. Or, or you know, we've, we've had some experiences like, eh, you know, I don't know if I want that. We, we like to put our church life, Jesus, into a bit of a compartment sometimes. But what does it look like for us to go after these things, really? It's going to challenge us, and it's going to push us. So I just want that question to linger while we explore this all together. So let's, go, let's dive in. I invite you to turn with me into the book of Ephesians. So grab your Bibles or open up the app on your phone, and, and we're going to look at the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at chapter 4. We're just going to look at a couple of verses as kind of our main text, and we're going to see what is this equipping thing all about. So if you're kind of getting used to your Bible, here it is in the back portion of mine. It's all the way here. You should see a handful of shorter books. These are letters that Paul wrote or, or other people wrote. We're looking for the book of Ephesians. Feel free to use your table of contents to get there. So we're going to be looking at Ephesians chapter 4. be looking at verses 11 through 13. Follow along with me if you would. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ." 
So here, Paul is the author writing to this church in Ephesus, and he's writing these beautiful words, and there's so much here. And what I want for us to kind of do is understand, how does this relate to all this equipping stuff? So let me just kind of get out, like, here's the idea theologically that I want to drive towards, and it's this. It's you. It's all of us. We all are the ministers who do the work of ministry. We all are the ministers. So notice what Paul was describing here. In verse 11, it says, you know, Christ, he gave us these leaders, these apostles, the prophets, pastors, the evangelists, teachers. He gave us these leader people not to do the work of ministry, but to equip his people to do the work of ministry. I think sometimes the, the thought process or the idea kind of exists for us that we, you know, we go to church and, and we just participate, right? We, we join in, we attend church, and that's my role. The pastors, they're the ones who are doing ministry. It's the missionaries. It, it's the Sunday school teachers. It's these like elite level Christians. They're the ones who do the ministry. I'm, I'm just, I'm here. I'll, I'll help out a little bit, but like, I just, I come, right? I join in. That's not what Paul is saying. He's saying these leaders, their job is to equip the people of God to do the works of service, to do the work of ministry. It's all of us together who are doing the work. It's not just for the special types, who those who are like, you know, super level, kind of like, yeah, you, you, you do you. You go over there. I'm all, that's awesome. Like, I'll support you. No, no, no. We all do the work of ministry. Like, that's what Paul is pushing us towards. And, and he describes, well, what is this ministry? What is it working towards? Well, it's unity in the faith, unity in the, in the knowledge of, of Jesus, him, who he is. So it's, you know, we're coming together in this faith that we all share with one another. And we're learning about him. And we're getting to know him. And all of this is, all of this is building us towards what? Maturity. We're all growing up in our faith to be more and more like Jesus. That's what we're shooting for. And we all participate in that. that. That's the work that we are to do as a church. It's not some do the work and we all watch. No, 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 we all participate. We're all doing the work together. The leaders, we're to equip. Now, um, you might be wondering, it's like, okay, I hear that, I get it, but Really? Like, I don't know that I can do that. Like, it probably is stirring for you a little bit of that, like, hmm, do ministry. Like, can I do that? That feels daunting. That, that feels really big. Like, I'm not sure I can come through on that. We've been kind of exploring a, a hypothetical kind of relationship. We've, we've named this person David. And David comes to you. He's like, hey, let's go have coffee at Eli's. And, and in a rare moment, He's just suddenly spilling his guts. He's like, man, things are not good with me. My job, like, I'm just feeling so unfulfilled. Like, it feels like it's a dead-end thing. Like, I'm going nowhere. They keep passing me up over promotion, and I just, I hate it. I don't like going. It's empty. And then more than that, like, Emma and I, we're, we're on the rocks. This is his, his marriage, and, and things are not okay. And, and, and he's just like, I, I don't know how to move forward. We just feel stuck we love each other, but man, it seems like we don't like each other. 
And the kids, they're going every which, and I just can't keep up. Like our schedule is so full and I'm overwhelmed. I'm tired. I just can't seem to find a break. And all the while, I just feel like I hear my parents' voice in the back of my head, like, you're never going to be enough. And it's just always hanging over me. David shares all of that with you. What do you say back? I think sometimes our tendency is like, let me take you to the pastor and, and he can help and, and that's how we'll, we'll do that. Like, sure, that can be helpful and that might be necessary at times. But what Paul is pointing us to is, no, 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 you can do it. This is a ministry opportunity for you. What do you say to David? And you might feel that moment and you're just like, I have no idea and I want to run from it. That can't be me. Like, I can't do that. How, how do I do that? Well, I want to turn to another passage, and I want to show you what God's answer to that question is, because he has one. And it might come in a little bit of an unexpected way. So if you're willing, turn to the book of Matthew. It's the first book in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 3. I want to show you Jesus' baptism and his temptation in the wilderness. You might be familiar with the story. Maybe you're not. That's okay. But we're going to look and see what does Jesus, what does God have to say to this question? Like, man, I don't feel like I can. How can I? Let's look at verse 16, starting in verse 16 of chapter 3. We'll look at the baptism and then two of the temptations, and we'll just kind of go through this pretty quickly. So verse 16 in chapter 3. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened up, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Understatement, right? The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Now, why did I take you here? One thing that I want you to see, and I'm just going to kind of give this to you, Jesus, he had the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. And this is what enabled his ministry. You see, Jesus, he's the son of God, so he's divine, right? Like, he, he's divine. He's, he's God incarnate in the flesh. Like, we celebrate Christmas, God coming as a baby. He became human. But that's just it. He became human. He is fully divine and fully human. But Paul helps us understand the dynamic that play there. See, what Christ did was when he came, he set aside the divine prerogatives the specialness of being divine. He set that aside. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 6, 
uh, we, we hear Paul kind of explaining what this is all about. And so here's what he says. He says, Christ, who in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He's equal with God, but he's not using that to his own advantage. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing. He emptied his prerogatives, taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And this led him to be found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself to become obedient to death, even death on a cross. So what we see here is that Jesus being divine sets aside the special powers of being divine. And he humbled himself. He became just like us. So at his baptism, he's divine, but he set all that aside. So what empowers him for ministry? It's what happens at that baptism. You see, Jesus, he, he is just like us. In, in, in the book of Hebrews, we get it described this way, in the image of a high priest. So he is a great high priest. He's one who, who ministers on our behalf. But we don't have one who cannot empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way that we are, yet he was without sin. He was weak, just like us. He was not divinely strong, and that's what made him special. That's what he could do, all the things he did. No, no, no. Jesus had the Holy Spirit and the Word of God. That is what made him do what he was able to do. And I say all that to say this. When we follow Jesus, we have the Holy Spirit and the Word of God too. We have the Holy Spirit. He comes upon us when we begin following Christ. Paul talking about another thing in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. He's talking about how we're to protect our bodies and honor God with them. But he says this, this, this verse in 19. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit? Who is in you? Whom you have received from God. When we follow Christ, we have the Holy Spirit. Just like Jesus. Not only that, we have the word of God. So notice when, when Jesus is baptized, the, the spirit comes on him. And then what happens? He hears the father's voice. This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. I think this was as much for us. We need to hear that. We need to hear this proclamation over him as much as it was for Jesus. You, Jesus, are my son. This is who you are. Know your identity in me. Because what happens next? He goes out into the wilderness. The, 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 the tempter comes in, the devil, Satan. He's like, if you're the son of God, if you are who you say you are, if you really are God's son, then turn these stones into bread. See, if, if you are who you say you are, you should be able to do this, Right? Use those divine privileges. But what does Jesus do? He's like, no, no, no. Life is not found only in bread. Yeah, we got to eat. My body's got to get nourishment. Sure, but life is bigger than that. I live on the word from my father. Here's my identity. I live on that. I read the scriptures. This is where life is found. And so he quotes him, scripture. Jesus knows the word of God. 
He's been trained in it. He's taken the time to learn it. He knows the word. We have the word too. This is what empowered him for ministry. He had the Holy Spirit moving him, giving him power to exercise what God wanted him to do. And he knew the scriptures. But notice what the second temptation, Satan comes back and says, okay, well, let's go up on the, the, the temple, throw yourself off, because here's what the scripture says. And he quotes him, scripture. But he's just like, no, 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 no. That's not how you use that. Here's what also is written. See, Jesus has learned how to use scripture. He knows how to apply it. He is operating in wisdom that comes from the Spirit. And so we, we are equipped in the exact same way. See, the, the word of God, back to Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 12, we get, we get this description that it is alive and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. It penetrates even dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. And it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. There is power with the word. Because we understand what is true. We understand who God is. And this, this is something we have. We have the Holy Spirit. And we have the word of God. And so if you're kind of sitting in a conversation with someone like David. And you're like, I don't know what to say. You have what you need. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the word of God. You are equipped to speak into that moment. This is the way the Lord works. Now, you might be wondering, it's like, okay, hang on a minute. Let's go back to Ephesians. What about the church and what is it the church does? Glad you asked. Here, the Lord gives us what we need, but the church, the church equips us within what God has given you. See, we can receive the Holy Spirit, we can know the scriptures, but the church, the body of Christ, helps us learn how to walk in it. And this, this is our job as the church. We're to equip you with what God has given you and train you in it. If you think about the military, or, or maybe if you're musically inclined and you took piano lessons, or, or maybe, you know, sports analogy, like, when you have a skill or a talent, you, you maybe have some raw materials, like, oh, I'm pretty good at this, but you need coaching. You need instruction. You need someone to come alongside you and say, here, let me hone your skill. It's the same thing. We are equipped by the Lord, and we experience coaching and training in the body of Christ. And so church family, when we're talking about this vision statement, what we're trying to go after, that is our commitment to you. We want to help equip you to do what God has given you to do. To help you learn how to hear the Holy Spirit, to follow him, to operate in his leading, his power, his transformation. And we want to help you learn the scriptures, learn what they're all about. We want you to know the Bible and know how to use it. That is our commitment to you. And so we want everything that we do as a church, we want all the things that we commit to, to be towards this end. It's why we worship. It's why we have Bible studies. It's why we do kids' life. It's why all of these things exist. And we want everything to work towards this end. But there's one in particular that I want to highlight for you. One ministry aspect, one environment that we feel like that's the best place for us to receive equipping. 
It's life groups. It's life groups. We believe that life groups are the best environment for us to experience equipping. So one of the things that we want to do is do a push for our life group ministry out of this series. So to do that, I'm actually going to invite Jessica Wilmer. She's my wife, but she's also on staff here as our discipleship director, our director of ministries and discipleship. And she's going to come up here with me, and we're going to talk a little bit about life groups and why we want to do them, the way that we want to do them, and hopefully help you see this is part of the equipping. So Jess has actually gone to seminary. She has an MDiv degree. We did that together. And then she's been in church ministry for about 10 years. And so she's had a lot of experience, and we want to bring all that to bear on what we're doing. So we're going to talk briefly about what life groups are all about. What's the purpose? So I'm going to turn it over to Jess for just a minute, and we're going to talk a little bit about why we do what we do. That's right. <laughs> yeah, I want to say too, as a staff, um, representing our staff right now, we are all so excited for this vision statement. Not just because of what it says, but because of how we will be able to integrate it into all of the ministries of our church. So just know that we all are on board and we're really excited about this. And I am so excited about life groups. We have found them so helpful in our own life. We really want to encourage this for all of you. So let me talk a little bit about, I need notes, I'm not Brian, so I'm going to take my notes. So what we think life groups are, the purpose that we have for them here at New Life, especially in this next season, we believe that life groups are to create an intentional environment where we commit to one another through relationship to grow in the gospel and in the likeness of Jesus. I'm going to say that again. We believe that it is an intentional environment where we commit to one another in relationship to grow in the gospel and in the likeness of Jesus. So what does that mean? What we hope, what we encourage, what our goal is if you join a life group is that you will grow. Growth is our main hope, which means it's not relationship and friendship. It's growth. Now, thankfully, the byproduct of being in a life group usually is relationship, right? If you've been in a life group before, generally you are going to connect with the other people in your group. You're going to grow in those relationships. But what we want to do is not create a bunch of groups of friends. We want to create a bunch of groups that are disciples, right? So the main intention of our groups is growth, But the cool thing about that is it's also not just a class. It's also not just studying and learning together. What we get to do in our groups is we get to apply, right? We get to apply the Bible. We get to apply what the Lord is doing in our lives, and we don't have to do that alone. That's what a group is for, is we do that together, intentionally committing to one another as we do so. Mm-hmm. So it's not just hearing like a little nugget on Sunday morning and trying on your own to put that into your life during the week. That is what you do together. So it's seeking the Lord together, as Brian said, through his word and his spirit. So through your group, you'll probably hear what God is doing in the lives of other people that you might not have heard otherwise. And how cool is that, that you get to hear testimony, testimony, testimony every week of this is what God's doing in my life. Maybe you'll relate to that. Or you might hear some different perspectives, something that you haven't heard before, and you get to challenge yourself in that and grow in that. 
But all the while, you will have people who are supporting you and spurring you on in your faith. And that is what we want for each and every one of you to experience, especially in this next season, as we are giving ourselves and our ministry to life groups very specifically. So life groups connect us to one another through Jesus. And that's a great thing to note too. We're not just connected to a group because we're the same age or we all have kids the same age, or we like the same thing. We want to be connected to one another in our groups because of our relationship with Jesus. And that's what sets life groups apart. So you might be wondering, like, okay, well, I'm looking for connections. I'm looking for relationships. And, and yes, we, we value that, and we want you to do that. But what we don't want to do is build it around some of these things. Like, oh, I'm, I'm a parent of a two-year-old, just like all these other people. Well, it's going to change, and eventually it's like, that's a, kind of a shaky foundation. What we want to be about are people who are committed to following Jesus together. And in that, you are going to find relationships and friendships. Now, you might be wondering, it's like, okay, great. However, my schedule is so busy. Like, I don't think I can add another thing to my plate. Like, I'm just stretched so thin. Or or maybe you're like, I've been in groups before, and it doesn't work. Or I've been in a group, and man, it burned me. I had a bad group experience. They they are just not worth it. Or, Or maybe you're kind of like, well, maybe, but, like, you can ask me to be vulnerable. You're going to ask me to share what? All of these are valid kinds of things. What we want to say to you is that this environment, when it's intentional like we want it to be, this is where you're going to grow best. Now, if you've been in a group and it's just been bad, you know, the group just fell short, it hurt you, like there was some damage there, that is the best place for the gospel to come alive. When we have these moments where people hurt each other, there's dings, there's relational baggage, that is where the gospel can step in in a greater way. See, if we're trying to build groups that are all like up to this sort of standard and everybody kind of meets it, then that's actually not the gospel, right? Because the gospel, it's for everyone, regardless of what we've done. We've all fallen short. We don't meet the standard. We want our groups to model that too. So we're not trying to build perfect groups where everything's going to go well. We're going to hurt each other. We're going to ding one another. We're, we're going to get sideways. Like, that's going to happen. And right there is the best place for the gospel to step in, to provide healing and redemption, to provide grace. That, that is the beautiful picture of what a group can be. So, yeah, it's probably going to be messy. We're messy people. We want to own that, and we want to learn and grow and become more like Jesus through those hard things. Now, if you're wondering, it's like, you know, okay, what are you going to make me do? You're going to make me share a lot? We're not asking to bear your soul, but I'll tell you what. When we learn to be vulnerable with one another, we continue that vulnerability with the Lord. He already knows everything, but when we grow in that practice, that's when we allow the Holy Spirit to move and work in some great ways. So we do encourage you to grow in your vulnerability. But if you're like, man, just like my time, like I just, I don't know that I can squeeze it in. I get that. You know, we're, we're busy too. We're going every which direction it seems like. I'll tell you what, if you want to grow to become more like Jesus, Sunday morning for an hour isn't going to do it. If you only have one hour to give, I'd rather you be in a life group where you are known where you can know some other people, and there, that's when you get the rubber meets the road kind of thing, 
or we apply the scriptures. We learn to do that together. So that, that is why we value life groups so much so. Like, don't come here on a Sunday. If you have one hour to give, give it to a life group. It's that important. And it may not be important for you. It may be important for your group members. Maybe you go to a group and you're just like, I don't know that I'm getting much out of it. But maybe your group members are benefiting from you being there. Maybe it's not about what you give or what you get, but it's rather what you give. And so we want life groups to be the centerpiece, the the kind of thing that we all go towards when we think about growing as disciples. So we want to talk a little bit about that. Like Jess is going to share with you just the how, like, okay, what does it look like for us to do this together? So talk us through, what what does it look like for us to join a life group? Absolutely. We want this to be as easy for you as possible. So you'll notice today that in front of you in the seat back pocket, or for my fellow front row people, it should either be on your seat or under it or hopefully somewhere in your vicinity. (laughs) But everyone else, these cards are in the back seat of your pocket. We encourage you to grab those even right now. And there should be a pencil or a pen as well and start filling those out. After service, you can drop them in our giving box or hand them to me at the connections desk. Um, Also, if you just don't feel ready to do this, take it with you, turn it in later this week or next week. Um, You can also fill these out online through our website. You can click the Life Groups card on our website and it will take you to a place where you can sign up for that. So again, we are really encouraging all of us to do this. If you are already in a group, you do not have to fill this out. This is for someone who is not yet in a group. But just know too that we have spots for you. The Lord has provided many new life group leaders to join us. So we have a spot for you and we would love for you to be involved. So please, please, even now start filling those out, drop them off in the giving box in the lobby or hand them to me at the connections desk. If you have questions, I will be there too. But we would love, love, love for all of you to be a part of this. This is like the best way that you can get connected to our church and to the work that we are doing in this next season. So we want to challenge you. Do you want to be equipped? Is this a step that you're willing to take? Because this is the best first step that you can take. We value it so much. We believe this is the way that we're going to grow best as a community. And so we encourage you, fill out that form. This is a next step for us to grow deeper together and grow deeper with the Lord. So I want to tie everything back up together today. So the Lord, he is the one who equips us, and he equips us to pursue and proclaim him in grace and truth. That's what he does. And we as the church, we help with that. We join him in it. And so we want to be about that. We want to orient all of our ministries to this equipping. So just as a quick reminder, here is our vision statement. We want to be about equipping you to pursue and proclaim Jesus in grace and truth. Is that what you want to be about? Do you want to join us in this church family? And for those of you who are new and just like, hey, I don't know what I think about that, we'd love to talk more about that. But maybe you're like, yeah, that sounds great to me. We'd love to have you join us too. This is a call. We want to follow Jesus as closely as we can. And we want to be about it in this way. Can we join together in a word of prayer to close out the sermon? God, thank you so much for your goodness, for your mercy, for your favor.
Thank you for your truth, your justice, your restoration of what is right and good. God, we are grateful that we do not do this on our own. We have you and we have one another. God, we want to be about equipping each other, helping one another walk more faithfully with you. And so, Lord, help us to do that. Help us to pursue you. Help us to proclaim you. May we do so in grace and truth. And help New Life be the kind of church that equips to that end. So, Lord, we surrender ourselves afresh to you. We love you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Feel free to continue filling out those forms, but stand together in worship as you're able.